Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Glad you joined in again this week. And uh, like we regularly do in the rhythm of our podcast, uh, we are going to hear from an emerging gen voice in our church who's just going to share their heart and their perspective on how things are going around Southridge these days. So I want to welcome Jen Surtees. Jen, uh, say hi to everyone, first of all. Hello, everyone. And uh, knowing this is your first time here, welcome here. Um, I'm curious just to get to know a little bit about you and to let people from across our locations and beyond uh, know you a little bit better. So uh, just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, I am a student right now at Brock. Um, So I'm originally from Oakville, uh, born and raised there with my family. Um, Moved to Brock in 2016 to start my studies um, in the concurrent education program. Uh, So that's a six-year program that in the end... um, ends off with a teaching degree. Um, So I'm in the primary junior program there. Uh, Yeah, kind of just working through that. I'm in my fifth year. So one more year after this. Um, And yeah, that's kind of a bit about me. um, Are you excited to be a teacher? Oh, yes. Um, I'm excited for the future of what teaching will be after um, this pandemic and the changes that it's uh, caused. So I'm excited to see where it's going to go from here. And uh, can I assume that it's through Brock that you ended up connecting with Southridge? Talk about that story. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I, when I, I moved to, uh, to St. Catharines in 2016, I started uh, to kind of attend Southridge regularly, probably in my second year. So in, the, in September of 2017, started um, attending uh, Southridge a little bit more regularly um, and from there was like part of a lot of conversations about uh, young adults and um, actually got connected through um, a Discover Southridge, uh, which was really awesome and had an awesome conversation with Chris Fowler, uh, which led to um, a uh, lunch at uh, iCat's Caboose, which turned into a lot of young adult stuff. And that's kind of our my first connection point was uh, through that. Oh, cat's caboose. Don't even say that word. <laughs> we miss we miss all the ministry that's been happening at cat's caboose over the years. Oh, yeah. Um, so you talk about the, the Discover Southridge event. How did you end up in the building the first time? Did you come with friends or? Yeah, so kind of, um, honestly, I don't even remember how it happened, but there was uh, three other girls that I came with. Um, two of them had kind of um, been looking around at different churches and said, Hey, let's, let's try this one out. Um, so we all kind of went together and kind of found our way through that. And it just kind of ended up because Southridge is so easy uh, to get to, you take the main bus route from Brock. Um, so it was like probably the easiest church to get to. And I feel like that was probably the only real reason that we ended up there. Um, and then it just kind of stuck from, uh, the first time we were there um, I, I think that the Discover Southridge was probably the second or third Sunday. Um, and we all looked at each other and we said, 
okay, I think we got to go. And it was four of us and then a mom and daughter. And it, it just is such a conversation that sticks out in my mind. Um, in my first real connection point to a church, uh, in St. Catharines. That's terrific. I think I remember hearing about that conversation through Fowler afterwards. He was so pumped and <clears throat> with the lunch after and everything and, and came back and was like, oh, you got to meet these people. And <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was really uh, impactful for him too. Hey, uh, outside of school, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume you have a life. So <laughs> what do you like to do for fun? Do you work? Yeah. Um, so I actually uh, am a dancer. I've been uh, dancing since like three, four years old. Um, did competitive dance my whole life um, at a studio in Oakville. And as I came to Brock, I got involved in the dance club on campus and actually have uh, been the president of the club there for the past uh, is it three years now. So I teach at a studio locally as well. Um, so basically, if I'm not doing school or doing church stuff, I'm probably dancing. Okay. Well, that's great. I would have never known that. So thanks for sharing mm-hmm. that with us. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about how you connected in our community. Cause I, I find that this is relevant for all of us listening to understand, um, you know, you talk about as a Brock student, the proximity of the bus that, you know, that, that kind of stuff, but as a university aged person, uh, what would you say it was in those early exposures, those first services uh, about Southridge that really tracked with you? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that what really attracted me to Southridge was like um, my faith journey is really centered around camp ministry. Um, I came to know Jesus um, through camp, through a summer camp. And when I walked into the doors of Southridge, there was just this energy and I was like, wait, like God is actually fun. Like outside of camp. Like I really thought that like faith was only fun at camp. And I really felt that like Mm -hmm. there was this exciting energy and posture and just like the only word that I can think of is energy um, that I felt when I was in, uh, walked into the doors of Southridge and realized that, um, that God is moving in the same way that he is at camp at a church. And that was probably what attracted me the most to like staying and seeing what Southridge really was about for more than one Sunday um, Mm. as someone who hadn't had no attachment to Southridge at the time. That's actually massively encouraging, Jen, because I, I know at least in my generation growing up, there was such a common church kid testimony, Mm -hmm. mine to a large degree included that was like, I grew up in church, but really came alive in my faith at camp, mm-hmm. tried to hold on to the camp high, it died, you know, rededicated my life to Jesus at camp the next year, mm-hmm. and then it kind of faded, and and you kind of go through that cycle where, like, psychologically and emotionally, it's like, God is way more active in the Muskokas, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, you know, around a lake, and 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 for sure... You know, we've learned over the years that when you make undivided space for God, he shows up differently. And that's what camp ministry at some level can do, similar to going on a retreat or, uh, you know, attending a a two or three day conference. Like when you make undivided space for God, he shows up big time. And so uh, camps in that way have that advantage. But we always wondered back in the day, like, 
you know, why does it feel like God shows up so much more at camp? Can God show up here in the same way? And so that's, without knowing that, that's a, that's a tremendously encouraging comment that uh, you're making about just the vibe mm-hmm. uh, around our community. Um, similar question would be from, from plugging in those first couple uh, Sundays, like how did you end up getting connected relationally? Hmm, yeah. So after that first like initial like conversation with Chris, um, we kept on talking about um, talking about young adults, which was really um, relational um, in that way. But I also got connected with um, a life group at the time. Um, it was all young adults or like uh, people who are just starting careers or finishing up school. I was the youngest person in the group and I kind of felt like I was a little young for the group, but they really welcomed me in. I remember the first day and everybody was super welcoming and um, really wanted to get to know who I was. And that was really cool, especially when I kind of felt like, oh, I'm the youngest. I'm so such a baby in this context. But um, yeah, just really, that was probably a big thing. And then also just some really key relationships with like uh, older generation people at, at Southridge. There's a bunch of people who kind of either just on a Sunday morning would be um, uh, part of just like giving a hug or like, Hey, how are you? Or um, other people who took us out for um, lunch or um, really connected with us over coffees and text messages throughout the week. And those are probably uh, two of the biggest ways that I, connected relationally there. I hope people who are listening uh, can can really resonate with what you're saying because it's not like young adults or college-aged kids just connect as an island unto themselves with other young adults and college-aged kids. Mm-hmm. When they integrate into the fuller life of the church, then something really powerful can happen. And uh, I'm hearing that in your story. That's really, uh, that's really encouraging as well. Um, let's talk then about these connections that you've had with these other emerging gen people and young adults and even emerging gen leaders around Southridge um, that have been talking specifically about th- this next generation. What, what, Jen, what do, you, what do you sense is common to that group's heartbeat for the church and for God's kingdom? Um, I think that, uh, that that's, I think that our heartbeat is really that connection piece that, um, that we want to have this like real authentic connection with community that we, we really have a thirst for connection with one another, but also connection with people who are younger connection with people who are older and I think that 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 is really truly what the next generation is longing for especially in this period that we're in right now where we really realize that connection can easily be taken away from us um, in the literal sense of it all and I think that that is at least in the conversations that I'm having is something that young adults are feeling that we have all this connection ability through our phones, but that's not authentic in the way that we kind of want it in God's kingdom and want it in um, a way that is connected to our ministry. And I think that that's just really where um, at least my heartbeat is um, for where uh, the next generation uh, wants the kingdom of God to go. 
That's a great way of articulating it. And, and uh, I, I, I'm certainly resonating with what you're saying, knowing that, uh, you know, I've got three teenagers, I won't necessarily <laughs> call them young adults yet, but I've got three teenagers. And like most parents with teenagers, you, you feel like they're just glued to their phone. Mm-hmm. They're glued to their phone. Their life is their phone. And yet the question is, what is it about real life, never mind faith, that a phone fundamentally can't provide? And, and that's what I'm hearing you say is there is something in the close, intimate, supportive, growth stimulating human connection that our relationship with our phone and the connections that it can serve through social media and things that it, it just fundamentally can't provide. That's uh, that's significant. Um, yeah. I'm wondering, as you've connected with this group, like what do you enjoy most specifically about working with young adults? Um, I think that young adults and like the culture that my generation have grown up in is that we really know or have really been trained in the skills that we're good at, if that makes sense. You know, like we, at least for me, um, my passion is dance and I have really honed into that craft and that skill. And I really know how to use dance and my leadership um, through dance. Um, And I think that that's really cool in our generation because people are really good at specific things. And I think that um, just because of the way that our culture has shifted into this like kind of mastery almost in certain skills, subject areas, or like even hobbies, um, it it makes it almost more enjoyable to see the passion um, that people have about specific things. And I think that that's really um, almost unique to our generation and the generations coming behind mine um, is that we're really focusing in on specific things that we're going to be able to use in ministry in um, more in bigger ways than uh, we could have if we're just moderately good at a bunch of different things. That's super interesting that your degree of specialization creates a passion and a, and a, and an intensity or a, 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 a set of stakes of experiences that actually form you differently. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that's great. Um, the inverse question then would be, what have you gained most or enjoy the most from working with those of other generations? Um, I think that if I can say everything, <laughs> um, but uh, I think that uh, working with other generations just kind of helps me to, to learn um, what others need. Uh, if that makes sense, you know, just there's so much division in our world already that when we have connections with other generations, um, I think that we, I'm able to just realize there is a possibility and there is a space for a bi-directional relationship almost, if that's a buzzword that I could use, like that I can give something and that they can give something back to me. This just love that idea that I can be nourished while also giving at the same time um, is something that I really think is interesting in the way that generations are able to work with one another. Hmm. You're walking me into the the next kind of theme that I want to focus on. And that is the, the, the conversations you're having with other young adults as 
the emerging generation of leaders in our church who are starting to look ahead and you know, want to see our church become more of certain things. So knowing you've recent been, recently been part of these kinds of conversations, both mm-hmm. with and about uh, the emerging generation, can you say anything else about the heartbeat of our emerging generation of leaders for the future of the church and the kingdom? Yeah, I think that um, just this this heartbeat for the intergenerational church is something that is super prominent in all the conversations that I've been having. Um, I've actually been in a lot of conversations with Keith um, about young adult ministry, and we've almost kind of changed our language about young adults ministry and changed it from young adults ministry to an intergenerational ministry that is focused with connecting young adults with others. And I think that that's just so huge because especially in a the place that Southridge is physically located, it's hard for this, um, for a lot of young adults who are only here for four years and then they leave. Um, it's this weird dynamic of we want to live into this, but we also want to make this a ongoing supportive environment that leads from youth to young adult to congregation member, you know, and I think that um, these conversations are helpful in that because at least for me, I know um, because of the community that I've created here at Southridge and that I've been able to be a part of, I'm thinking that I want to stay. I want to stay in Niagara. I want to be part of this in the long term. Um, And I think that that's probably the biggest thing that I can um, feel is that we're trying to create this opportunity for um, this growth from youth to young adults to right, How to integrate adult. into the regular adult life of faith mm-hmm. and community. Yeah. Um, as your crew talks and digests and ideates and, uh, you know, kind of imagines the future of, we'll talk specifically about Southridge, but it can be, it can apply to just the church and faith in general. What would you say that this emerging generation wants to see more of and or less of? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for the more of, I think that uh, our generation is looking for some taps on the shoulder, if that makes uh, any sense, or if that's a good visual. I think that um, our our generation is in this weird moment, at least for myself, that I'm like, am I am I wanted here? Is my voice um, uh, heard? Is my voice um, worthy of being in this space? And the only way that I feel comfortable in becoming part of that space is those taps on the shoulder. And I, when I'm thinking about this dynamic, I'm also kind of thinking of it in this, like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, did the ch- taps on the shoulder come first? Or did young adults who have initiative, initiative come first? And at least in my mind, I think that a few taps on the shoulder to some key people who are able to be um, uh, part of the Southridge voice to other young adults comes first. And then um, once other young adults see that the voice of these people who have been tapped um, are uh, being heard and being um, part of those conversations, 
that's when initiatives and uh, more young adults feel or the emerging generation feel that their voice is actually wanting to be heard too and they take the initiative rather than having the tap on the shoulder. Yeah, which is very consistent with what we've been learning about all kinds of different diversity. That when there's a degree of visual representation and you can see yourself in the leadership or in the voice of the community, you're going to be more prone or more susceptible to then leaning in and taking initiative yourself. Totally. It doesn't surprise surprise me at all. Talking about that, then actually engaging this emerging generation into a greater degree of active ministry and leadership. Um, I know that these conversations are resulting in some experiments and some initiatives Mm -hmm. among young adults. Um, What are you finding challenging about engaging the emerging generation into a greater degree of ministry and leadership? Um, I think that some of the challenges for the young people of our church is time. You know, we always are, um, how many hours in the day are we going to be able to do each thing? You know, I have 20 hours of school. I have 10 hours of uh, homework. I have 10 hours of work. And it's whenever I have conversations with young adults, they say, I don't know if I have time. And I am totally say that I'm probably said that hundreds of times in my life as well. Um, but I think that it's this challenge of actually getting through to honestly all generations, but specifically emerging generation, uh, that that we do have time, and that um, when we put something intentionally in front of us, that we're able to use that time effectively. I would say, um, and challenge ourselves to really work with the time that we do actually have. And the kind of things that we're uh, trying to do these days to activate and to engage the spiritual development of young adults, what are you seeing that's effective? Um, I really am enjoying the uh, the short-term life groups. I think that that's a really um, great way to kind of overcome the problem of time, right? Um, Everybody, at least right now, um, has one hour or an hour and a half for six weeks. It's easy time commitment. You can also leave without feeling like you um, are hurting someone's feelings. And I think that that's a really, really effective way um, that we're engaging our young adults and um, having a really solid group of people connecting regularly to kind of work into other aspects of church life. I, I would agree with that. I've, uh, you know, we've just we're in the process, and, and in some cases, completing this uh, spring round of short-term groups, and some of them have got staggering amounts of traction. Mm-hmm. For you know, uh, still in the last phases of pandemic, and knowing how everyone's feeling about third wave and lockdown and stay-at-home orders and things like, uh, there's there's something about the temporary you know, no long-term commitment, give it a try. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really engaging people, which, uh, yeah, that's, that's from a learning perspective, we want to do more of the kinds of things that's, that, that, that's working. And yeah. uh, you're right. The short-term groups has been a, especially through COVID, it's been a huge, huge learning opportunity for us of something that, that God's been uh, really using effectively. Yeah. Um, 
you know, when you think about kind of the bigger vision, I know in some of these conversations you've been involved in, the, the terms like generational transfer get used, you know, engaging this next generation into the, the, the leadership of the church. Um, how are you feeling about that growing focus? And what do you believe is the most critical uh, kind of ingredients in order for that to happen? Um, I think that when we have this type of conversation about that transfer, um, it's really important that uh, we begin to see young adults not as another youth group. I feel like that's something that a lot of churches have to work through is like we want a young adult ministry, but we don't want another cohorted experience that is going to just need another bridge of whatever comes after young adults, like middle adults or like somewhat old adults. Like I think that that's the hardest part is that challenge of let's not cohort this another experience, but let's actually use a young adult ministry as a bridge and as a, a way of um, transition for a lot of people who are used to that youth group experience and uh, connect them into a way of being part of the church, lowercase c and capital uh, C. That's a very astute observation that, uh, you know, especially in the younger, uh, in the younger age groups, we do create separate ministry Mm -hmm. because the ministry that we have kind of as a church in general is for grownups. It's for adults. And so we segment to provide age appropriate ministry, but we've learned that, that, that specialization often creates separation. And what we don't want to do is, you know, continue and propagate the segmenting of a demographic of people. Eventually they have to get grafted in and onboarded and young adults, if not earlier, young adults is that season uh, to be integrating people into the life of the church and the leadership of the church. And the integration component of is, is probably one of the most critical I'm, I'm, I'm tracking with that. Mm-hmm. Um, along those lines, Jen, uh, I didn't just want to talk about how uh, young adults in the next gen are engaging and thinking about church these days. I wanted to actually live that out uh, for a few minutes with you. So um, kind of as a bonus and as we wrap things up, uh, I just wanted to give you a chance to share your take uh, on some of the ways God's been growing us lately. So, you know, as an, as an emerging gen leader, for example, how are you feeling we're doing at fostering this friendship that makes a difference with various groups of people on the margins? Yeah, I think that this is one way that is so key for the emerging generation. Um, I know from podcasts that I've listened to before, you use the the words like the, the, the second front door or the other front door. And I think that that's just incredible. It's the way that at least for me, I have been able to bring people into the church, um, Southridge in specific. Um, I worked with um, Erica to put on, during COVID actually, um, at the beginning, um, a spa night for uh, the people, the women in the shelter. I was able to put together 10 girls from my dance team and brought them to the, the second front door of Southridge and brought them in. And some of them were actually able to 
come through the real front door on Sunday mornings because they had um, been part of that opportunity and that experience. And I think that that is such a key way that we're fostering um, friendship with the marginalized, but also bringing other people in. And we're also um, just tapping into the, the humanity of wanting to serve. And that is something that I think that the, our generation is really into um, through social media. We see this, like we want to be able to like post and um, educate people and the, that ability to have it within our church is just something that is so outstanding and uh, something that causes um, Christians and non-Christians to see that good is happening um, in this place. Hmm. How would you uh, or your peers have felt about the recent series that we did on what we called an all-inclusive faith uh, that focused on inclusion and diversity? Yeah, I think that it's um, it's been really eye-opening. Uh, I think that, at least for me, we have lots of these conversations um, in my school program, being in education. These are key um, discussions that I've already been having and having that in a Sunday morning church service has been like so eye-opening and so um, just thought-provoking just changing it from an educational perspective to how we can live it out in a day-to-day basis and just it's been such a, a moment of uh, reflection and a moment of actually, I need to learn more. I need to have more conversations. I need to um, really be thinking about how this impacts every aspect of my life, not just um, through education or through the Sunday morning service. How can I actually um, really own what has been uh, being talked about and really move forward in that? Hmm. Uh, I'll give you a free shot question. Are there any other aspects of the church or issues that the church has been facing that you'd love to speak to and lend some voice to? I don't know. I think, I think that with all the talk of diversity, I think that it's, it's just coming back to kind of the overarching um, uh, discussion within um racism, um, indigenous, um, our indigenous friends, disability, all of this, and just this desire for authentic connection with people who are the same and people who are different than us. And I think that that is an issue that the church has obviously been facing for hundreds, if not thousands of years that we um, begin to look a lot alike and experience life a lot alike. And I think that just having that, um, that conversation and being able to have a community that actually looks like the world. I heard a quote actually this week that the, the church should actually look like a hospital. And that was like super eye opening to me. Cause when you sit in the waiting room at a hospital, you see everyone, you see disability, you see race, you see economic status. And I think that um, when we see the church as a hospital, because we are all broken and we are all living in a world that is broken, we are able to um, approach conversations from 
a similar standpoint, knowing we are all broken and knowing we all have our own experiences um, can bring us together, even if um, everything on the outside looks different. Fantastic comment, Jen. Uh, As we wrap up, any final encouragements or challenges that you want to share to all of our members and listeners when it comes to anything or specifically to this emerging generation's heart uh, for the church and for our future together? Yeah, I think that um, the one thing that I could say is just just be willing to try something new. Um, I know that there's a lot of conversations happening behind the scenes of some pretty exciting things that um, will hopefully be coming in in the future um, at Southridge. And I think that um, just to be open-minded to those and just try something once. I think that that's something that I've been trying to do is you can try something once and make a decision on if it's for you or not. But if you never try, you're never going to make any strides to to grow in connection or anything. So if that means just saying hello to someone on a Sunday morning that you've never met or asking someone to go for coffee or getting involved in some sort of ministry um, experience or opportunity that is put out in front of you, um, I just would say dive in with, with head first and um, just be open to seeing what God is doing in that. Um, And yeah, just listen to, whatever uh, we can do to get involved with intergenerational experiences. So, yeah. Fantastic. Jen, thanks so much uh, for uh, tracking with us today and uh, just sharing so much of your insight and heart. I know for those of us listening, uh, you're another one of those voices and people who give us so much hope and confidence that the future of our church uh, is in good hands, knowing that it's in God's hands, but, He's, he's continuing to build this from generation to generation movement uh, of people who want to live out the legacy of Jesus in the part of the world where uh, he's placed them. So appreciate you sharing with us today. And for all of you uh, listening in, thanks so much for joining in. And uh, we'll see you again next week as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. Take care.